and that sounds means you are listening to a very special episode of Whiskey Unscripted. My goodness, I preferred the piano at my feast. He's good in those drums, but I did prefer the piano last week. Well, this is Gordon Dallas. Welcome to Whiskey Unscripted and on the other end of the line. Put those sticks down. It's Gordon Dundas. How are you, Gordon? I'm very well. How are you, sir? Gordon, this is not episode six. This is still episode five. What on earth's going on? This is episode 5.2. So, yeah, we're still we're going to hear from Neil and Joel a little bit more in the latter half of this episode. But, uh, yeah, we had so much great chat with them that we wanted to split it over a couple of episodes. Yeah. We didn't stop chatting. Isn't that the truth of it? That is the truth of it, yeah. That's right. Gordon, we are um, wanted to, to have a chat this week in particular because I've got quite a special day coming up on Saturday. We do, yes, it is. It is World Whiskey Day. Um, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a whiskey day that's been sort of probably been around. It was originally started by Blair Bowman um, of sort of uh, about, probably about 10 years ago now. Um, started up World Whiskey Day while being a student, I think, at Aberdeen University. Is that not right? I think that, I, I met him last year. I'm not going into details, but we're doing a, a tasting in Edinburgh. And uh, just by chance, he was there, and his friends asked me to play a joke on him. I'm not going into details, but we did. So he took it, thankfully, took it very well. But oh, it's amazing to think, you said 10 years ago, and it won't be far off that, if it, it probably is that, but there wasn't a day dedicated to whiskey before that. No, I mean, the only one that was more dedicated to whiskey was probably International Whiskey Day, which was end of March, but that was really more as a celebration of a particular individual, Michael Jackson, within the... Uh, you know, within the whiskey industry, a journalist who really put whiskey at the forefront of, um, you know, put it to really help to get whiskey to where it is now. But no, I mean, no, it's a great thing. Any more, any more days that celebrate drinking whiskey uh, is a good thing. Gordon, I've spent at least the last three and a half minutes scouring the internet for some international whiskey facts. Would you like to oh, know? here we go. Just tell me what the best fact is. 1956, did you know that whiskey replaced William in the NATO phonetic alphabet no i did not know that but what a i mean i feel sorry for williams all over the place but sorry <laughs> that's a belter i don't know if this is right uh, please tell me it is in central certain latin american countries if you're taking if you're getting your photograph taken you say whiskey rather than cheese does that sound i right? would not i would not know that really why would you want to say if you think about it why do we say cheese? Because it makes you smile? Yes. Whiskey makes you look... Trout pout. Who's, who's... Well, whiskey makes you look like you've... Uh, yeah, exactly. Bit of a trout pout. Um, so, uh... well, that's true. Anybody listening, please get back to us. And my final like... fact that I don't think... I didn't know. Did you know that Sinatra was buried with a bottle of Jack Daniels? No, I did not know that. Well, Gordon, you do now. Three facts. Tell me which one. World Whiskey Fact of the Week. Which one are you going to choose? I like them all but I like the first one the best. I mean, I feel sorry for Williams, but I'm sorry. And I guess it was probably replaced because many Williams are called Bill. Absolutely. What have you been up to this week, Mr. Dallas? What's been happening? I have been on the old diet. I've been getting my facial regime looked out and getting the, getting the scrub going in my face for this Friday's Facebook oh. live event. Press-ups. I've been doing the medicine balls in my abs to look good, Gordon. Yeah, me too. Our live appearance on the internet. I know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have been, I've done my nails, I've got my face on, life is good. I'm uh, getting my hair done on Thursday. 
I'm very excited about it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've got a new facial regime. And uh, I think we're going to look glowing on Friday. Listen to this podcast after the event. I'm sure you can find the Facebook Live event. That's the night before World Whiskey Day. It'll be somewhere, Gordon, to, to be viewed. Yes, it's going to be on the Glengoyne Facebook page. And um, it's a tasting of three whiskies, including one very exclusive whiskey, which we've actually sent samples out to 200 lucky people who have who have got their sample kits to taste along with us. So um, it's going to be an hour or so at about eight o'clock on Friday night, Friday the Friday the 14th. So very exciting. And you get to listen to us too and maybe a special guest. Uh, on Friday at 8pm. I also hope you have been uh, swatting up in anticipation of a hand wash challenge. Well, yes, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I know you like to throw these little challenges at me and I have, you know, I'm always looking for little lists of whiskey information I think Gordon may have found on the internet. World Whiskey Day, Gordon. I've got yep. my, go, go over to your sink and you've got 20 seconds to wash the hands, get them clean, but just... Could you name as many international whiskies as you could in 20 seconds, washing your hands, starting from now? McMira, Millstone, Paul John, um, Amrut, some, uh, Yamazaki, um, Lark, Hellier's Road, uh, uh, DYC. Then we've got all the bourbons as well. So, uh, yes. Yeah, that's uh, 20 seconds. Wow, that was a... How do, you started at, was it Milner's Road? What was that one? Millstone, Millstone, which is in uh, Holland or the Netherlands, if so I'm being very technical. Europe, Europe, then you went to India, then over to Japan. And then down to Australia and then back to Spain. What was Spain? DYC. D I, I call it DYC, but in Spain you pronounce it differently. I have never heard of DYC, so that was the uh, 20 second hand wash challenge, Gordon. Very good. Thank you very much. That was very good. Well, I have one for you. I think part of what we want to do in whiskey is educate people. And uh, to be honest, this uh, podcast is, is debatable on the education level. Um, so what I'm very keen to ensure is that people know some really good websites to go to for reliable whiskey information. So, Mr. Dallas, are you by your sink? I am by my sink. Can you name me your top online resources for whiskey? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Scotchwhiskey.com. You've got to go there. <laughs> Lengoin.com. There's lots of good information on that one. The, the, the Masters of Malt is quite a nice one, I think. Masters of Malt. Is it whiskey for everyone or something? I've been on that one before. Um, malt Maniacs, I seem to remember. There's Scotch Whiskey Association, the, the, the SWA, got a good website as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm struggling, Gordon. Struggling. Well done, well done, well done. You did very well. And unfortunately, what I think is probably the best, and the one you mentioned first, now does not exist. Our ScotchWhiskey.com does not exist anymore. I think a lot of the content is still online, but um, it's not it's not up to date. So um, whiskey for everyone. There's a lot of def good websites, but if you actually want to get... To understand the rules of Scotch Whiskey, go to Scotch Whiskey Association. Glengoyne.com, obviously full of information, predominantly aimed at, funnily enough, Glengoyne. Um, and um, plenty of other good websites on the internet. But certainly I always like to uh, to uh, just see who's out there. And, and if you want a slightly different view of things in the whiskey industry, Whiskey Sponge. 
always interesting. So I think part one of this episode five was with Joel Harrison and Neil Ridley Gordon. Just in case people come straight into this episode, do you want to tee them up, just explain who they are, and we'll go right into it? Yeah, so Neil and Joel are two uh, communicators, I guess, two... They're not journalists, technically. They're sort of... Uh, I don't think communicators is a very good word, um, who have been in the whiskey industry for... 10 odd years ex record producers um and some of you may have may see them on sunday brunch actually they were on sunday brunch at the weekend on sunday there they were talking about tamdu in cocktails a tamdu 12 old-fashioned and how damn tasty it is i have to say um so yeah no they have a great view of the industry um and can bring us unique sort of observations and insights and that's what we were talking about in episode five, and we're continuing that on in 5.2. Correct, Gordon. We're going to go straight into the action. We're talking about best places to have a dram, and I'll just throw mine in the ring there. I had a lovely dram in Switzerland. That's for the records. But we're going to jump back in with your most memorable place out there in market that you had a dram. So please, everyone, sit back and enjoy part two of episode five. Difficult one. I mean, I absolutely know what... Uh, what uh, Neil's saying about that time in Taiwan. I mean, I, I had the fortunate ability to, to well, I lived in Taiwan for 2014, and um, it's an amazing whiskey market, and it's the only market in the world, you might be able to correct me, but I think this is the case, it's the only market in the world where single malt outsells blends. Yeah, um, yeah I think you're right. And a huge appreciation for Scotch whiskey, and a lot of the brands do exclusive whiskies for that market. But when I was there, I got to travel around the whole of Asia. So um, I pretty much went everywhere with the exception of, well, I was going to say North Korea, but uh, actually South Korea. <laughs> I didn't go to South Korea, and I didn't go to the Philippines, but I went pretty much everywhere else. And I think doing a whiskey tasting, it's something I remember, doing a whiskey tasting on a beach in Bali, um, was quite interesting, I have to say. Um, and um, luckily, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, that was quite an interesting experience being in Bali doing all ski. One of those Gordon, moments. I'd, lo I'd love to know what you were wearing for that, actually. <laughs> I actually had swimmer shorts and a, and a brand T-shirt on, um, oh, good, not okay. the budgie smugglers, because nobody would have turned up <laughs> to the tasting. Um, but and and and, every, and people were actually sitting, and this is what was almost a little bit. They were going, can I add ice? And I'm like, of course you can add ice. You can't <laughs> drink, it, drink it the way you want to. Right. So, no, that was a great experience. And, um, you know, I, I, I've been to many. I've been to many, many markets. But, um, you know, what just gets you as you go around is that there's a general, I think, surge of appreciation of whiskey whether, and, and scotch as well. So that is just um, fantastic and I think yeah. that's a very good dropping off point because I just like to keep the uh, grey matter to keep you all just on your toes and it's just a little challenge between all three of you on yes. the subject of what you've just been talking about I'm going to start with Joel Joel yes. you've travelled you know all over the world in your pursuit of um, great quality spirit and drink if you landed at the Nino Aquino International Airport which city would you be in? Nino Aquino. Yeah. Uh, Nino, is that the right pronunciation? Nino Aquino. Well, is it? Oh, I'm going to go... Oh, I'm going to... I think 
This is the thriller in Manila. It is indeed. Joel pulls it yes. out of the bag. At the last, he's got a global point. traveler. He's on global the board. Traveler. Now this is one of the most <laughs> difficult ones. Uh, oh, have you been by the way, Joel? Have you been through that airport? I've I have actually been through that. Yeah, yeah but I've, I've never. No, I've never been. But I, I, I know where it is because I'm a big fan of uh, uh, of the thriller in Manila situation and, and the way that that was the whole way that 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 um, amazing spectacle was was oh, put on. Um, Who's yeah, been? it's unbelievable. Who's so, been? Neil's been. I've been there. Yeah. It was supposedly one of the worst airports in the world, isn't it? This. Um, <laughs> I, I, I went there. With, for, for, oh, I yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Hang on, I've been to Isla Airport. That that is yeah. that is something to behold, isn't it? But the yeah. uh, no, I've, I've been to the airport. It's actually it's surprisingly okay. Um, everything seemed to work. I have to say, I think I've been to Gatwick a few times, and oh no, I tell you the worst airport, uh, Stansted. Stansted, Stansted. Single-handedly is the worst place I think of anywhere oh. I've ever been. Um, no, I, it's a good airport. That. Manila I, I, is a great place to go drinking, actually. With some great bars there. I think I have to put Prestwick forward as the worst thing. I've never been. Well, no, you're not missing anything. Um, Because obviously, famously, Prestwick was the only place in the whole of the UK that Elvis ever set foot. You know that? Yes. True, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Um, On his way back from Germany to America. So, Neil, uh, if you landed on your international journeys on the Franjo Tudman Airport en route to a whiskey festival, which country Franjo, would you be in? Franjo, what was it? Franjo Tudman. Yes, T-U-D-M-A-N. Franjo Tudman. I think you've been I, here, Neil. I think you've been to this airport. You think so? I, I would have you a might have been. hazard a guess. Um, he was the first president of this country. This, uh, Scandinavia somewhere? It could be Finland. Franjo Tudman? And they always want to come in and steal, steal it? Yes. Oh, uh, great. Yes, Joel is on a roll. Zagreb. Zagreb. I'm a plane spotter. I'm a plane spotter in my spare time. I live, <laughs> I live so close to, I live so close to Heathrow that I'm always on. Um, I'm always on. Is it flight radar? Looking at where the planes yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, you yeah. Well, you wouldn't have been very busy recently, Joel. No, there's nothing going anywhere. It's nice. Yeah. I've got quite a tough one for you, Gordon. Oh, great. I'm looking for a city. Uh, and okay. the airports you'd land in to go to this city, and I don't know if there's many whiskey festivals in this city, it's the Amerigo Vespucci Airport. Amerigo Vespucci Airport, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Um, Italy somewhere, this, no idea. And else want to come um, in? It's Florence. It is, who was that? Lawrence. Hey, Neil. Neil, come in. It's two to Joel, one to Neil, zero yes. to Gordon. I'll just go <laughs> one more round of this, Joel, back to you. If you go landed on. at the Bill and Hillary, Hillary Clinton National Airport, <laughs> where would you be? Oh, well, I mean, it's all right. So yeah. it's be could, you, could you narrow it down? Little Rock Arkansas. Oh, he's, he's oh, unstoppable. Three to go. Joel. Uh, fire. It's unbelievable. He's a tough one. If you landed, Neil, at the Umberto Delgado airport, which capital city of the world would you be in? The Umberto Delgado. Delgado. I would say... Oh, I know. Umberto what? Umberto Delgado. Now, I I know this. This is either... This is either Porto or Lisbon. Um, yes, I'm going to go Lisbon. He is correct. Yes. yes. Oh. Three to play zero, Gordon. Um, oh. For to get your pr- pride back on board. Right, Let me okay. just see. Oh, I'll take it to America, Gordon. 
Um, oh, right. Thanks, looking, for the, thanks look, for the top tip. Looking for a city in the States, and it's quite easy, uh, well, because you'll know them, the George Bush Intercontinental Airport. Ah, oh. uh, now, now that is quite interesting, because I think I know the answer to this one. I'm not playing for time to get there. Is... No, 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 I think that, because I've been, I know that, I know this, because I've actually been to it's in Houston. You are absolutely correct. It's three, it's two, it's one. Very good. So the little prize for this section in international yes. travel airports is Joel Harrison. Way. Oh. So Gordon, Gordon, here's one back at you. Where is the John Lennon Airport? John Liverpool. Lennon Airport. I, I flew yeah. out of that. Liverpool. About three years ago. Liverpool, yes. Great. And of course, that's where the baggage handlers have the uh, the lyrics from Imagine as their, their their phrase, which is "Imagine no possessions." <laughs> <laughs> I hope you never have to fly out of there again, then, Joel. If there's any any people listening in who may happen to be baggage handlers, <laughs> that's Joel Harrison. And <laughs> Neil, can I ask you yes, for some musical skill again, please? All yep. I was looking for if you can somehow play the ABC song. Oh, I can do that. Yes. Uh, A and with that music in the background it's now the feature that we like to get the alphabets and go down it letter by letter as we go through the A to Z's of Scotch whiskey. and thank you to Neil Ridley okay. on the keyboards in the background Gordon Dundas, <laughs> what letter are we on? Well E, e is an interesting one because there's obviously quite a lot of different things that you could talk about. And clearly, I'm struggling already. Can I start off with one? Because it's something that relates to a blog that I'd written for Glenn Goyne. It's on the site at the moment. And it refers to excise. Uh, excise, the dreaded excise. Tax has been around since 1644 in the Scotch whisky industry. So excise departments Very were good. merged in 1707. And in the Excise Act of 1823, it stipulated that you must have an officer on site. An excise officer had to be stationed at your distillery if you wanted to get a license and go legitimate after 1823. And that's indeed what happened at Glengoyne. And I wrote a piece about it. And when I was in lockdown, I was given a bundle of papers from my old archives, just all sort of jumbled up a little bit. And I found a photograph from 1980, and there is a Mr. Bob Thompson, the last of the excise officers, being presented by the chief excise officer, friends and family all round him, including Duncan McNichol, our head stillman, who retired after 42 yeah, years. Okay. He's in the background with his 70s haircut and uh, a big beard. Uh, it's a wonderful piece of history that I unearthed a few weeks ago. So there we go, really? the first one. E for excise. I like that a lot. That's, uh, we've got a funny story about an excise man, actually. Um, from an, uh, I won't say which distillery, but I once heard this. Um, in the, the, obviously, the on-site excise man was a, was a sort of prevalent figure uh, sort of throughout the sort of 60s and 70s, wasn't it? Um, at one distillery, they had a particularly diligent one, and it was stopping the guys from, uh, from dipping the dog and, and uh, enjoying himself. I think one day he came in and he, he caught one of the guys, one of the warehousemen, reading a uh, particularly racy magazine, shall we say. Um, uh, I think commonly known as a jazz mag, I think. Uh, 
Uh, and I'm not talking about jazz piano here. I'm talking about a different guy. So he, he sort of looked at this. He said, I'm so disgraceful. And he confiscated it. They, uh, the guys were wandering past his office and they could see he was flicking through this. And suddenly they had a brainwave. So the day after, they left a mysterious package outside said exciseman's office of a stack of these magazines. <laughs> You know what? They never saw him again after that. It was, uh, there we go. I tell you what, it's, it's a sitcom in the making. That's what I've, I've mentioned that in the blog. It's just a, a wonderful cat and mouse game, isn't it? They live on site and the guys are trying to get their, their whiskey. And I heard that Heinz salad cream bottle was one of the best uh, shapes yeah. if you hadn't had a, a copper dog to hands. Ah, yeah. the, the, the camp coffee bottle was another good one, apparently. Right. Excellent. That's E for exercise. Anyone got another E? I've got a couple, oh. actually. Yes, I've been, I, I must admit, I did actually research this because I thought, you've given us a ringer with this one. E one. is probably the most difficult to pick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, I think one, Sc- one Scotch distillery beginning with E, Edredow, but then you've got lots of production things there. So you've got esters, you've got enzymes, mm. uh, of course, uh-huh. ethanol. Um, the one I'm going to choose, actually, though, is a Japanese distillery, Yagishima. And we're on the subject of Japanese whiskey. So this was a distillery, it's a co- more commonly known as the White Oak, actually. Um, it's a little bit further south. Um, one of the, actually, if you go around now, and you can often find Yagishima uh, or the White Oak distillery on shelf. And they, I think they could had a sort of, not a dispute, but a, certainly a, a, a hefty debate about whether they made the first whiskey in Japan or, or whether it was uh, one of the, a Suntory. And I think they traced their, sort of distilling back to something like 1919. It was certainly a few years beforehand, whether it was proven and whether it was sort of, you know, the debate was settled there and I don't know, but uh, Yagashima, certainly uh, a Japanese distillery. And they also want to get Yeah, in. I'm going to go for the, the famous disappearing E, which is the E in the middle of whiskey. Oh, or at the end oh of I was going to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too late than that. Classic question, you know, why does why do some distilleries uh, in, in certain countries use the E? So, for example, Maker's Mark in America doesn't put the E in whiskey, whereas most of the others do. Obviously, the Irish are very famous for putting the E into, into whiskey and the Scots not so. And, um, yeah, uh, nobody quite knows why, although the Irish will tell you that the, uh, the Scots are doing it to save on printing costs. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but as, as, actually, John John Cashman last week said there's new, the new whiskey, the new, new whiskeys in Ireland are not using E. So some of them are not using E. Yeah, so yeah, there really is the no rule to this anymore. The famous disappearing E. I like the disappearing E. Gordon, have you got something? Well, I I do have one or two different things, but I think I think what's interesting about the letter E is it's actually really difficult. And I was looking at sort of at sort of um, I'm clearly padding here. I, <laughs> I actually can't think of an E. I actually can't think of an E, if I'm honest. Um, well, so, I, um, I want to ask the guys, I'll get two, uh, very quickly. Edrington, which were Glengoyne's uh, yes. previous owners. So E. McLeod purchased the company from Edrington. But also, what I would like to ask is ethanol. And I am ah. a man that has experimented with alcohol-free wine. And it's absolutely, I can't get uh, one I c- c- like at all. And it's something that ethanol must do in liquids. And I just wondered if Joel or Neil could, even yourself, Gordon, could put some meat in the bones. What does ethanol actually bring to the distilled liquid that when you remove it, it tastes really awful? Well, all, all the fun, I think, is probably what you're <laughs> talking about. 
Um, that's the F. That's for next week. Yeah, fun. But, uh, no, I mean, I think it's interesting this because ethanol clearly the root of all good alcohol. You know, you've got methanol, which is the you, know, you want to split it into two. Methanol, very bad. Ethanol, pretty delicious and pretty fun, really. Um, but it's what you do with the ethanol, I think, that makes it exciting, isn't it, really? So everyone, you know, is, a, is an ethanol producer. It's how they go about that. And, you know, you guys have tasted a bunch of new makes, uh, as, mm-hmm. as have we. And mm-hmm. I often think this is a great starting point when you're, you're, you're faced with a new make spirit. And some of them taste ropey as hell. But you know that in 5, 10, 15 years, they're going to mature into great whiskey. The converse of that is you get some great new makes that just end up tasting pretty bland. Um, I think when you try something which is so good and then you try the whiskey and that character of that new make is carried through whatever age, then you know someone's made a truly great whiskey. And, you know, ethanol is at the very heart of that. Well, we're coming to the end of the podcast and I just want to do a quick Q&A, some questions. And I'm a quick big fan of Sunday Brunch and I see you guys on it. Could you tell me what it's like to get on Sunday brunch? Do you get the food? What's Simon and Tim like? And how did you get the gig? <laughs> Very right. good question. Yeah, should, well, so. My wife is a food stylist and she's always said to me, never eat food that's been under hot camera lights. Um, <laughs> especially not seafood. Uh, so, yes, you do get some of the food. Uh, it's wheeled out, but you're very careful about what it is that you eat. It's been sitting around for a while by the time it gets gets to us in the green room. Um, and a lot of it is, is very, very tasty, so it's very tempting to, to, to tuck into it. But it's, it's, a great, it's a great show to be on. We were invited on there um, to talk about Distilled when that came out, I think, in 2015, and we've, we've been on ever since. Um, and it's just a great, fun way to interact with consumers and to tell some stories and to make some great drinks and to put a smile on everybody's face, which is the, the nice thing to do on a Sunday morning. It's, it's a fun show in as much that it's probably the only place I can think of where on national television you can have a laugh with quite high strength spirits before 12 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. And I think the more we do this, I think you kind of get into this rhythm. So it's actually, you've got about seven or eight minutes to talk about probably yeah, what, three, it could be three drinks. It could be, usually there's a theme. So in fact, we're on uh, in a, a couple of weeks time or well, virtually on uh, because of the lockdown, but it's been fascinating doing that show because you get to meet such a huge breadth of people. There's a lot of actors, musicians. I, I Who's impressed you? Who's impressed? I tell you, it's really impressive. Martin Some, Kemp. Really like Martin. Yeah, Kemp. he was really nice, Super wasn't he? Nice. Um, yeah. I, I won't say who I, who I wasn't impressed with. That. <laughs> That's for another time, gentlemen. But, uh, Carol Vorderman, fantastic. I mean, such a, she was such a knowledgeable lady. Um, Can I tell you a story about Carol Vorderman? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Gordon. Just, I really? I've got to put advisory content out on this one. <laughs> no, no, this is a friend of mine who's at a do. Very quickly, I'll let you carry on. Was at a do in London, and she was the host. This is about 15 years ago. Now he was a little bit over refreshed by the end of the evening, and he was st- and he was staying in a hotel upstairs, and he stumbled into the lift, and, and Carol Vorderman was at the was at, was in the lift, and she sort of looked at him as if to say, you know, can I can I help you? Can I push a floor number? And, and she said she sort of looked at the pad and looked at him, and he went and he turned right to and went one from the top and five from anywhere else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, her eyes rolled and how she laughed. <laughs> <laughs> the other person who was really, really charming, actually, was Johnny Vegas. Joel, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Oh, yeah. Yes. What a, what a, a really sweet man he was, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a phenomenally intelligent, smart guy. And I let, his character sort of almost transcends the man. He really is. He's a, he's a genius, that guy. Yeah, lovely guy. Um, I've got a couple of questions for you, lads. Moving on from, from Sunday Brunch a great show now you guys um you know you, you you're on a sort of, you're on the wheel of press releases from from the world of whiskey i'm interested and no names please no names but what is the worst whiskey press release you've ever had worst whiskey press release yeah we've and, ever and had just, I mean, you know wow well yeah i mean there's there this is a is a long list, Gordon. Um, and no, no, dis, no disrespect to the, to the to the wonderful PR teams that work hard out there, but there there have been some absolute howlers. Um, I think we we once invited to a to a press launch of um, a, a quite an expensive Scotch single malt that was due to start on a boat in London going down the Thames at about seven o'clock in the morning, which seemed a very strange thing because. A lot in the of morning, were invited didn't live in London and therefore had to be up about 5 a.m. to go and sit on a boat where you were held captive for, for over breakfast. Very odd, very strange. Some of the creative that comes out. So that that was a rather strange uh, uh, ordeal. But yeah, I, I can bit... think of one one very good example where at the very start in the the the, the, um, the headline was for a completely different whiskey yes. brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought oh, you only had one job to do. Quite literally, one job. And you put a rival whiskey brand in as the headline thing, and I was reading this, going, "Oh, okay, this is this is this is for a different whiskey." And I happen to know the whiskey maker of the brand that they were sort of trying to promote, so I forwarded this to me. I was like, yeah, "Have you have you moved jobs?" Because it, I mean, it was it was really poorly structured, and I, yeah, it was one of those moments of, "Have I got this wrong?" Have I, all this time, I was reading this thing and thinking, hey, there's something clearly wrong here. But uh, yeah, that, that one springs to mind. I, w I won't say who it was. No, uh, there was a, a couple of years ago, there was a, a German, uh, the German football team did really badly in one of the major tournaments. I can't remember which one it was. And I think it was Franz Beckenbauer who said in the media afterwards, if you put all of the German players in a bag and punched the bag, the one that you hit would have deserved to have been hit. And I think press releases are a little bit like that. You put them all in a bag, punch the bag, and the press release you, you, you punch is the one that deserves to be punched. Now, you, you guys were awarded IWSC Communicator of the Year 2015, 2016, 2017. Now, now I'm, I'm single, and I'm clearly not communicating well, so I therefore feel you can give me some pointers in the world of communication. I, I should just caveat that and say we were, we were on the short list. We are, we are perpetually the, the bridesmaids, never the bride, actually. Oh, well, I think you're, you're winners in my eyes. Thank you. Oh, well, that's, that's very you. kind of you. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Go, go, I have to say, Gordon, you are one of the most articulate communicators I have ever come across. Though. So uh, yeah. um, the, the art of communication is really about getting to the point, I think, really, and uh, learning yeah. when to stop waffling. So uh, well, if, um, I can just waffle a little bit. We started with the story about your musical backgrounds. Yes. Have and um, we can maybe finish with um, Have you ever compared a drink, a cocktail, or a scotch to music, to a band, to a singer? Can you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the great thing is there are there are classics out there, and there are classics out there that sing really well. And what's fascinating about the world of single malt, I think particularly, is this gold rush uh, that happened about 
a decade ago when every single malt in Scotland and his, uh, and his grandfather decided that they should be on the shelf uh, competing with, with ones that we've seen for a long, long time. But a bit like vocalists, when you have a great band or a great solo artist, their voice is distinctive. It stands out. Mm. And uh, the, the worst vocalists are the ones that kind of, it could be anybody. But when you listen to a, a Bob Dylan record or a Rolling Stones record or an Ed, even an Ed Sheeran record or, you know, Ella Fitzgerald, the minute their voice kicks in, you know it's there. And that's what great A-grade single malts should be. They should be the ones that stand mm. out, not necessarily to everybody's taste, but they should have some personality and they should mm. sing. And I think that's when it's in your glass, you should know exactly what it is and why it tastes that way so i think for me that's the biggest comparison is just personality have some personality be distinctive uh, and, and you'll, i think you'll hope yeah. to succeed. absolutely right joe i think there's there's a thing we, we did a little while back actually where we compared different cast types to different vocalists um, yes. and actually this was a really really fun thing to do because if you think about the inherent character of different single mots so let's say you've got uh, a big dark rich sherry cask whiskey it's very it's, it's it's resonant it's it's full of deep dark mysterious complexity and character and if you could put a singer in that in, in the same guys i guess somebody like johnny cash has that real quality they've got that mysterious character they've got that life it sort of you know you know they've lived a life as soon as they open their mouth and they start singing you get out yeah. decades of stories and of hardship and everything. Um, and then you have the other side. You've got this sort of almost first Phil Bourbon cast, this fresh, light, tropical, almost ethereal sweetness to it. And um, we did a thing where, so we, we had this dark sherry cast, which was compared to, uh, to Johnny Cash. And then we, we, we picked out a Carol King song that we played with this first Phil Bourbon. And I have to say, it worked so well. It was just that moment of magic where it's like, this is, this is great. And everybody in the room got this. Um, and I think music is a really good metaphor for these things. You know, we, uh, you know if you're explaining whiskey in any level of detail, it's very easy to overcomplicate things and try and, you know, almost anticipate what people know. But when you break it down into very simple things like the voice of a singer or the build-up of a band or over the course of a piece of music, the highs and you know, the lows, the peaks and troughs, people suddenly start to get this in their glass. So I, I love doing this. I have to say, I think whiskey and music for me, ultimately one of the best pairings you can have out there for sure. Oh, Fantastic. And I think, I think we can wrap up with maybe a flourish from Neil. But I, I have, I'll be honest with you. I did move on to another Tamdu single cast. It was Sandy's. I had a, a bottle of Sandy's um, award-winning single cast, award -winning, which is yeah. ra ra rapidly yeah. diminishing. I, I must say. So, uh, Apologies uh, in advance if my playing is is not as uh, sure <laughs> cogent as it was before. But I'll uh, throw myself uh, another another one as well, just to see. Uh, see, thanks to the the guys. Yeah, guys, thank you very much. Um, thank you, God. And, and great to have your insight and your your chat and banter. And uh, thank you for being on Whiskey Unscripted. Absolutely, pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Gordon Dundas. Whiskey Unscripted. Back next week.